Word of the Lord, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. O Lord, renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse 16. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And though the fig trees does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to higher heights. Word of the Lord. Amen. We are not the only ones who have traveled in a day's journey and found that the day can be covered by dark clouds and moments of uncertainty. Habakkuk is without question the prophet who brings to reality a saying of our ancestors in which it helped them at least get through when they could not provide an interpretive nature of what was happening, they could at least grasp in these words some sense of hope to endure the moment. And that phrase they used was, the Lord works in mysterious ways and his wonders to perform. You can't read Habakkuk chapter 1, 2, and at least in the closing of 3, and not come to the conclusion, at least from chapter 1, that God is working in some very mysterious ways. So mysterious that Habakkuk raised several questions by way of indictments unto God, and he struggled with how to interpret God's usage of evil to yet bring about good. Maybe Habakkuk's story, in its uncertainty at times in terms of interpretation, maybe it may serve as an underscore of the reframe in James Weldon Johnson's Lift Every Voice and Sing. Maybe if we could take that line 
and sort of placket it on our spirit of uncertainty. Listen to what he says. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark days has taught us. Could we not agree that it is not light that teaches us the endurance of the race? It's not light that gives us the inspiration to at least find the inspiration to endure. And it's not light that really helps us discover what's really down on the inside of us in terms of strength. It's the dark days. The dark days in which it forces us to the posture of prayer. When life is flying at its high mode of victory, we can skip prayer. And we will, because our intention is to quickly stay on the lane of progress and prosperity and victory. But when pain, when trouble, when heartache, when sickness, when uncertainty knocks us off the track, Hopefully, we do as Habakkuk does in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, and we resort to the one thing in which we learn to do to get us through the dark days, pray. Habakkuk in chapter 1 is wrestling in the wandering and the worrying about what is God doing because he's working in mysterious ways. In chapter 2, as he closes chapter 1, he decides that he's going to talk with God back to prayer again and see if he can get an answer to this issue. And God tells him, just sit, watch, and wait. And as he watches and waiting and goes through chapter 2 and sees what God is going to do, he now comes to chapter 3 and he tells us, I've shifted from wandering to worrying to waiting to watching to now I'm going to worship and witness. I realize through the posture of prayer that in my worship I need to sing a song that is full of the faith that has brought me from the dark past and taught me. You see, Habakkuk chapter 3 is not what you and I see as just words in a chapter. It's actually a song that they sung in worship. In other words, Habakkuk is saying when you get into that dark, uncertain moment, the best thing you can do is get you a song and let that song push you through the moments in which you are wrestling with uncertainty. 
and sometimes that song is nothing more that Jesus keep me near the cross but that keeping me near the cross gives me the inspiration to come back the next day and continue to fight in the journey. Here's what James Weldon Johnson says, sing a song that is full of the hope that the present has brought us. In verse one and two of Habakkuk three, Habakkuk says, Lord, I bear witness that you are not only wonderful, but I heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. I recognize historically that you've done a lot of great things, not only in the lives of those my ancestor of the past, but when I turn back my own page in my own book and I look at how you have brought me safely thus far. Now I've got to admit I've got some scars on my mind and some scars on my body and some scars on my spirit but God I got to still celebrate. I realize if it had not been for your graciousness that brought me where I am and when I sit back and look at what you have done for me, not just the doors that you've opened, not just the protection that you have provided, not just the provision that you've given me, but Lord, just the fact that you've been the God of my salvation to make sure that when I've fallen on the journey, you gave me the hope that I need in the present moment to keep on keeping on. Now, maybe you don't have that testimony, but there were some times when I started to throw in that towel and I said enough is enough, but I couldn't help it. There was something on the inside that reminded me, you're going to quit on God when God never quit on you. You're going to turn your back on God when God never turned your back on him. I mean, you can't just give up on God. It may not work out the way that you want it and it may not be going the way that you want it to go, but yet he continues to be good until to you and to take care of you and to provide all of your new and Habakkuk says I'm holding on to the fact that when I look at what you have done I stand in awe of your deeds went to the hospital last week and took a test and Lord it could have went one way but when that doctor gave me the results it went another way Went to the job, Lord, and discovered that they were laying off down there, but didn't happen to me. It could have went one way, but it went another way. Went to a direction to which I just didn't miss it, but if I had showed up just five minutes earlier, I could have been involved in a tragedy. I'm just saying, Habakkuk is saying, you got to look at the little things that God does in your life. I know it, you don't realize it, but it's the small stuff. And he says, Lord, I recognize your deeds. And in fact, I want you to make them known right now. And I just kind of wonder when Habakkuk jumps from verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to go over what he says in verse 3 to 15, because all he's doing there is just really recognizing how awesome God is. But when he gets to verse 16, he says something that's captivated my attention. He says, when I stand in the awe and the reverence of who you are, I heard and my heart pounded. He is really telling us that when I stop and really consider how faithful 
foe you've been in spite of my not understanding what you are doing and how you are doing it. My heart increased in its beats because that meant that not only did something psychologically hit me, but my emotion engaged in what was going on in my mind. And Habakkuk said, I recognize God, you are so glorious that my heart starts to flutter when I think about how good and faithful you've been to me. My lips quivered at the sound of your name at the sound of your name. Then he metaphorically says, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. In other words, when I recognize in the presence of your glory how unworthy I am and what could have been my destination I started to decay right there in that moment, realizing I could be less than what I am, but God's graciousness one more time enabled me to see. Then Dr. George, he uses a strange word picked up by the NIV version, yet. A conjunction that suggests that something is changing from my previous condition to what I am anticipating in the future. And he says, yet I will. And I wrestled with that wondering, where did Habakkuk get that kind of language? A yet praise. Where does he get that from? And I wonder, did he follow through on remembering the words of Isaiah? I think it's Isaiah 14 and verses 13 and 14 where Isaiah records how Lucifer had decided that he would usurp his own glory over that of, of, uh, over that over God. And in the verse, there are five I wills by Lucifer in the text that suggest that he's going to usurp himself. Verse 13 says that uh, Isaiah said, Lucifer, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. In other words, wherever God is, I will go above God. I will raise my throne. Wherever God's throne is, mine will be bigger, says Lucifer. I will sit, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in throne of the mount of the assembly. In other words, I will oversee the whole world even more glorious than God. I will make or I will ascend above the top of the clouds. That simply means that, Lord, you can't go, you can't go so high that I can't go higher than you are. I will make myself like the most high. I will be God, says Lucifer. And could Habakkuk had wrestled with this suggestion in Satan's mind that he could be above God and Habakkuk might be saying, maybe I need to put myself in check. Am I letting myself being influenced by some satanic idea that God doesn't know what God is doing and that I can figure this thing out far better 
than God can? Or could Habakkuk have wrestled with God's conversation with Moses in Exodus 6 where he tells Moses when Moses looks at God and says to God just like he did God do you know what you're doing do you not hear us your people down here crying in Egypt do you not realize that we are under the oppressive hand of the Egyptians and God says to Moses I am the Lord and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But here's what I'm going to do for you. I want you to know that I am, I'm going to give you a message to say to the Israelites and you tell them I am the Lord. Here it is, his I wills and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And did that give Habakkuk inspiration to say to himself, no matter how dark the moments look, yet I'm going to praise. And in verse 16 of his third chapter, he says, I'm going to wait patiently on God as he brings forth the enemy to defeat him in battle. Maybe he heard God tell Moses, tell the Israelites, I'm going to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian. I'm going to free them. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying every now and then, open your Bible and take a journey down memory's lane of what God has done in the past that you might see that God's word still lives and that he allows us to be postured in positions where you got to pray through and then wait until you change, God. And here he is in Habakkuk's journey. He tells him that he's going to have to wait. And Habakkuk realizes, ain't no need of me trying to rush God. I'm not only going to pray and I'm not only going to ponder about this thing of what God is doing, but I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship and witness for God in the meantime. Here's what he says. He says to, to us in verse 16, he says, I'm going to wait patiently for the day of calamity when the Lord will bring it on the nation that is invading us. In other words, God may be trying to tell somebody this morning who's praying about someone who's agonizing and frustrating your journey, don't worry about them, just go on and keep on living and adopt a yet praise in your spirit which just simply means this though I got to go to work tomorrow and see him again though I got to hear all their criticism one more time though I got to face my own failures yet I'm going to praise God in the midst of what I've got to see because I realize greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world when you get a yet praise on the inside of you no matter what the present context says you got to be able to rejoice and I mean be exceedingly rejoicing and be glad in the presence of God but watch what he says in verse 17 though the fig trees don't bloom and though there are no grapes on the vine and though the olive crops fail and there's no food in the field 
and there are no sheep in the pen, and there is no cattle in the stall. Yet, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. All I came to tell you is here's what Habakkuk says, three things that I'm done. Number one, Habakkuk says, when life fills your moments with uncertainty, go back to verse 16, just simply rest in the Lord. Just simply take it out of your hands. Stop worrying about it. Stop wondering about it. Start watching and waiting by faith on God and then celebrate by worshiping and witnessing. Now your circumstance says nothing is changing, but my faith said it already has changed. I look at those things and call them that be not as though they already are. I'm believing already that God's going to work it out for the good and my best thing to do is just sit back and rest in the Lord and to wait until God does what God does because if I try to get ahead of God, I know that I don't know everything God knows but if I get ahead, I'm going to alter perhaps what God is trying to bring forth in my life that's victorious but if I wait on the Lord and be of good courage, he'll strengthen my heart I need to just sit and rest 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 in the Lord rest in the Lord that's what he says in verse 16 look what he says I just decided to rest in God even though things are working on my body I'm gonna wait patiently for God to do what God does rest but then watch what he says. Not only rest, but verse 17 through 18 and 19, rejoice. Rejoice in God. Wait a minute. What am I going to rejoice for? I don't see nothing to rejoice about. Yes, you do. See what you don't see. Never permit how you're feeling to look like how you're feeling. Yeah, see, I had to tell myself that a few minutes ago. You got to stop looking bad even though you feel bad. You got to start acting like you're all right and you feel real good. You got to rejoice. And the greatest inspiration for rejoice is to think about what could have. That's why the rewind button is so important when you look at the DVD of your life. Just hit rewind. That's where I was. Fast forward. This is where I am now. And I'm just rejoicing about the fact that when I look back and see where I was, I'm happy about where I am now. And I'm rejoicing. How do you rejoice when you're sick? How do you rejoice when you're broke? How do you rejoice when you're alone? How do you rejoice when you're unemployed? How do you rejoice when you can't make ends meet? The best way to do that is once again to see what you don't see. That's why faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So here's where James Weldon Johnson helps us again. Facing the rising sun 
of our new day begun, let us march on until victory is won. See, you should have shouted right there. You don't, even know, you don't even know when to shout. You gotta march on even when you know you haven't won the victory yet, but you know you're gonna win it. And you gotta look like you've already won it. That's where James Weldon Johnson helps us. And Habakkuk says, even though there ain't no buds on the tree, no olives are growing, no figs are growing on the tree, no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stall, no produce coming from the field, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because he made a promise that he would always meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory and I got to hold on to the promises of God and I got to believe that if God said it in the word, I got to walk in the word and trust in the word and believe in the word and rest in the word and rejoice in the word. Romans 10, 17, I think it is, says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Habakkuk said, I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. But in verse 19, he says, I'm going to rely on the Lord of my salvation. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to rely on him because the sovereign Lord is my strength and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. In other words, Habakkuk says by way of metaphor, God is underneath me. And even if I wanted to sink, I couldn't sink because God's reputation would be on the line. And because God gives me the kind of undergirding I need to make it, God will not let me sink because he gives me feet that will assure me that I will have the footing to climb to higher heights in life. So Habakkuk says this, I got to yet praise because it strengthens me. And sometimes all you got is, Lord, I'm going to thank you right now, even though I can't see. That's all you have. Though I don't have a paycheck coming in the house, though I don't have a job with my name as employed, though I don't have a way to make ends meet, though I don't understand why I'm being treated the way I'm being treated, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation who will give me strength to survive the moment. But not just strength, I got to yet praise because it not only strengthens me, but it sustains me. There's a sneaking suspicion that Habakkuk never really saw the Babylonians handled in his day. Don't know for sure, but let's just say hypothetically Habakkuk didn't see it. Yet he held on to his yet praise because he realized God had made a promise. I'm going to handle them but God never promised that I would see him handle them. Sometimes we have to come to the realization, as I said last Sunday, that what you expect may not come to pass, or at least in your lifetime. 
Can you imagine the ancestry of ours who died never seeing what it meant to do what we do, to live where we live, to work where we work, to go where we work? They never saw that realization. Yet, they had anticipation that someday it may come, but not in their lifetime. And we got to still hold on to that same kind of anticipation and that same kind of hope because it sustains you through the years no matter how dark the moment may be. And then finally, I hold on to the yet praise and I encourage you to do so. It's a survival tool. It's a way to survive any kind of storm that you find yourself in. No matter how dark it may be, the yet praise suggests that although the storm is raging, I got somebody else on board who knows how to calm a raging sea. Jesus, because you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. Would you do me a favor? I can't handle this storm all by myself. Would you calm it for me, please, so that I can get some rest tonight? And maybe you and I should sort of hang out in some of the I wills of Jesus. That's, that's, that's what I like her back and talk about. Yet, I will. Jesus said, I will too. Take your Bible and you read Matthew 4. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. Take your Bible and read in Matthew 11. He says, I will give you rest for though my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He'll give us what we need. Take your Bible and turn to John 6. He says, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. And that's not good enough. He tells us in John 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name. It's a survival tool. And what keeps me pushing on, Jeremiah said he had a word that's like fire in his bones. That, that kept him going. Ezekiel says, I keep pushing because I see God as the wheel in the middle of another wheel. I see life turning in a cyclical kind of fashion. And Isaiah says that I'm going to keep pushing because unto us a child is given. And his name is Emmanuel, God with us. I'm hanging out in John 16, 14 and 16. 14, John, Jesus says, I will go and prepare a place for you, but, but I will come back and get you, receive you unto myself. I'm hanging out. I'm waiting on that. But I'm also hanging out in the meantime in chapter 16 where Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will be your comforter that will lead you and guide you into all truth. And that's my motivation for yet praise. Keeps me going. You ought to try it. It'll work for you too.
That's the great thing. It doesn't have any restrictions for a particular person. Oh, other than the fact that you just need to go ahead and do it. That's a, just do it. I couldn't hold my leg long enough, you know. To, but just do it. Just praise him. Oh, and if you're worried about who sees you, don't, don't pay attention to them. In fact, they might be waiting on you so they can follow behind you. They need a little inspiration to encourage them and to let them know it's all right to enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because I got to yet praise in my spirit. Lord, help us and thank you for her.